our prayer is that this time uh, as a panel before you would encourage you uh, that your leaders love the Lord and tell others about him, but also maybe some of our life experiences will be useful for you to know about uh, in your walk with the Lord. So I'm going to put a question out to just uh, maybe three of us to answer as we're led. The question is, who led you to Christ? Um, you know, pastor, it's hard to get away, separate, number one, from number two. However, yeah. who led me to Christ? It was a man I don't think he had more than a sixth grade education. I was in the junior class, must have been about eight or nine years old. And this man, with, he was an able reader, and he pointed out the gospel to me in the Sunday school class. And I remember that day, as much as I'm seated here, it was then that I trusted him as my personal savior. I could go on, but somebody else needs to say something. Who led you to Christ? Uh, yes, I can remember that day quite well. Um, I know some of the older folks here would remember the name that I'm going to I was led to the Lord by evangelist Talmadge Butler, and I was 13 years old. Who led you to the Lord? The answer to that question really was, is that the Lord actually called me. But believe it or not, the person that finally shared the gospel with me and I actually confessed my sins and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Believe it or not, I can't remember his name. But it's interesting, the reason why I say the Lord called me, it's because I was introduced to the gospel as a child. My mother actually introduced me to the gospel. And I knew the gospel, but my favorite book in the Bible was the book of Proverbs. The reason why I'm going through this history is because shared, I want you to realize it's important to share the gospel. And you may not see someone come to Christ, but you never know where that will lead. Because my parents, they opened me to be, they allowed me to be open to the gospel. The one name outside of my family that I can remember is a young man by the name of David Alexander when I was in university. He also shared the gospel with me by word, but also by his example. And that more than anything, I think, prepared me to actually accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because when this person actually said, and we were in a small group setting at a, what's called a Christian Union meeting, he said, is there anyone here ready to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There were only two of us that stepped forward that night. But I can say that the Lord was preparing me through so many other people. I, 
And I guess the reason why I don't remember his name is that the Lord doesn't want him to have the credit. There were so many people that the Lord put in my life, and they were obedient to the Lord in sharing the gospel, that at that point in time, I was ready to receive him, because he called me with no chance of saying no at that point through this young man. And I just want to encourage you all, just take the opportunity to share the gospel. Don't be concerned what happens next. That's in the Lord's hands. But I thank this young man who remains nameless to me at this point in time for just challenging me to accept the Lord and Savior at that point in time, for being faithful. Amen. That's a good segue. Uh, the next question is a challenge because it could take a lot of time for each of us, but uh, maybe two of us, could you try to succinctly give the circumstances which led up to your salvation? The night, or should I say early in the morning when I trusted Christ for salvation, it was around 1 a.m. in the morning. It was after hearing a message by Dr. Billy Graham. Um, and uh, I know I was, I was searching and under conviction, but uh, the circumstances leading up to that was I, I, I felt, I remember a time feeling empty, uh, barren uh, in my life as far as, you know, it, it got to be more to life than this. Uh, afraid, uncertain of eternity, where would I spend eternity? Because I had heard uh, these questions before about, you know, if you die tonight, where would you spend eternity? Um, but I just, I, I just felt there had to be more to life than what I was feeling, what I was experiencing. And when I heard the message by Dr. Graham, uh, I didn't respond right away. It wasn't until I got home and uh, just about to say a prayer before I go to bed, which I usually do, but on that particular night, I couldn't. And um, I realized that uh, God was dealing with me in a way that, that I had never experienced before. And so having heard a similar prayer, I prayed that prayer by myself as best I could recall. Uh, but I know that something changed that night because I'd never been the same since. And so just touching base on the first question, uh, it, I, when I'm usually asked that question, I usually say the Holy Spirit led me to, to Christ because there was no other human present in the room to pray and lead me in a prayer. But the Holy Spirit brought to memory a prayer that I had heard prayed before and as best I could recall, I prayed that prayer to trust Christ for salvation. And God, knowing my heart, made the transformation. And um, so that was the circumstances leading up to my conversion. And it was only the Holy Spirit that brought it about. Thank you. Pastor Tommy? As a result of my job in 1964, I traveled to Harbor Island every week. And that's where I met my wife, Kathy and uh, their mom and dad. And uh, up until the time we were married in 1968, Kathy was always a, a quiet, positive witness. She knew Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Her mom, periodically, when the opportunity would present itself, she would share the gospel with me. And uh, once we got married, we used to attend services here. And uh, it was on a Sunday night 
February 1970, we were sitting upstairs. The pastor then, Earl Weish, was as he usually did. Uh, generally, in the morning, he ministered to believers. And in the evening, he would present a gospel message to those that were unsaved at the time. I can't tell you the text he preached from that night, but one thing he did say in the course of his message that Sunday evening, he pointed his finger out into the congregation. As far as I was concerned, he was pointing at one person and one person only, and that was me. And the question he asked, if Jesus Christ would have returned tonight to take his church home, where would you spend eternity? And of course, the Holy Spirit had definitely been dealing with me from time to time. And uh, when he asked that question, in my mind I said, I wouldn't go. I'm not a Christian. At the end of the service, he gave an invitation for anyone who would like to accept Jesus Christ, be counseled, talk about salvation, to come forward. I couldn't sit in that seat upstairs. I walked down the stairs, walked up the aisle, and Brother Jaseel Thompson took me in a room in the back and counseled me and once again presented the claims of the gospel that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save those who were lost, and that if I didn't place faith and trust in him, there was no other way I could get to heaven. And right there and then, in one of the rooms at back, I confessed my sin and acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, the next question is a yes or a no answer. Uh, did you trust Christ alone for salvation the first time you heard the gospel? No, I, I didn't. Go ahead. No. I didn't either. No. 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 <laughs> no. Well, well, I would say no as well. But I mean, just to give a, a little bit of background on it, um, I'm speaking about from um, when I first accepted Christ. I grew up in, I guess, a Christian household. It was a Baptist um, church that I grew up uh, learning and hearing about the Word of God. And um, my mom, she was a praying, strong praying woman, still is today. You know, she prayed over us. Had eight kids, so I guess that you know when you have that many kids, you have to pray. <laughs> so she, so she always used to pray for us, and um, you know take us to church with her and, and Sunday school and, and 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 regular church service. So I always heard, I know I've always heard the gospel growing up from her, but my first clear memory of actually accepting Christ was when I was in about uh, grade, probably it was grade eleven, like my last my last year in high school. Candy Staten, I don't know if any of you guys may have remembered her. She's a gospel singer. She was came into town, and, and she actually had a concert at our school, St. Anne's, uh, this day. And she was singing, you know, she sang about the Lord and, 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 and stories of the Lord, and, and she shared. And um, at the end of the concert, she, you know, there was a call, an invitation was put out to, to those who wanted to accept Christ. And, and at that time, it was so clear to me, I can remember saying, you know, you know I... I couldn't remember ever having done it, you know, really making the move. And at that time, that's when I went forward and I said, Lord, come into my heart. And so I know that prior to this time, I would have heard it because, you know, I, growing up around the church and growing up around uh, my mom, I, I always had the word of God around me. But it was not, I think, until that, that moment, that particular time, when I can think, remember really clearly that I, I made the commitment, which was, like I said, about in grade 11 by then. Thank you. The reason I asked the question was, uh, am I right, not one of us responded in faith in Christ the first time we heard the gospel. Is that correct? Right. 
So don't give up. Don't be discouraged when you share the gospel with someone and they don't trust Christ right away. Persevere. Pray. Keep sharing the gospel. Now, the next question is, we'll have just a select few answer this. Uh, Who shaped you most when it comes to your evangelizing? Uh, For me, it was Dr. Larry Moyer shaped me the most in the evangelism I do. Who shaped you the most in your evangelizing? This man has shaped me in a way that he don't realize. He was and his wife were in charge of the local Billy Graham office. And as I said earlier, I got saved through the Billy Graham ministry. When he found out about that, he got me involved right away in the Billy Graham ministry. And uh, I counseled with the Billy Graham ministry till we went away in full-time ministry and resumed upon our return back to Nassau. But he didn't stop there. Ambassadors for Christ. Um, remember those days? Yes, sir. Yeah, but I would say that he was most the most influential uh, uh, in shaping um, my commitment to evangelism, my encouragement uh, in the Lord, and uh, encouraging me to seek uh, uh, a Bible-believing church after converting to Christianity. This godly man and his wife. Praise the Lord. Who shaped you the most uh, in the, in your ministry of evangelizing? I will have to say the Billy Graham Ministries because after becoming chairman of the Billy Graham Ministries in the Bahamas, I had many, many opportunities to go off throughout the U.S. with the Billy Graham Ministries and they actually taught us how to evangelize. I even went to Amsterdam. I don't know if you remember many years ago. He had... uh, um, pastors from all over the world that came to Amsterdam and I was among uh, those who came or went to Amsterdam and uh, had training. So most of, most of my training, if not all of it, was as a result of the Billy Graham ministry. And I say to God be the glory. Amen. Okay, brothers, what was the best lesson you have ever had in being a witness for Christ? the best lesson you've learned in your witness for Christ? Um, I I know I just got through, but I I can't let this pass me. Uh, A well-to-do, matter of fact, one of the founding members of this church uh, was very ill in hospital, and I remember that Sunday afternoon I was preparing to visit him, and I was asking the Holy Spirit to give me scriptures to give to this godly man. And uh, a matter of fact, all of the scriptures I found had nothing to do with encouraging a believer. It had all to do with salvation. And I remember being very despondent, going to the hospital and saying to myself, how am I going to share this with a man who was one of the founding members of Calvary Bible Church. Well, when I got to the hospital, I was not allowed to see him because he was in too much pain, uh, and uh, the doctors were working with him. And when I turned away to leave, someone that I was praying for for a long time as uh, one of my co-workers in Betelco was 
being wheeled in for an emergency surgery. And I stopped and asked him what happened, and he told me, and he asked if I'll come and pray with him. And I led that man to the Lord using those scriptures that I could not understand why the Lord was impressing on my mind. Listen to the Holy Spirit and follow God's leading. Amen. What a great lesson. Someone else, uh, the most important lesson God has taught you in evangelizing. There was an instance when um, we went out um, on door-to-door evangelism and it was a couple of us along with Pastor Annette when we went by the main post office and we were praying for a divine appointment in who to approach in sharing the gospel. And I remember we got, when we got to, there was a gentleman we met who had just hopped out his car, was going to check his mailbox. And we just asked him for a few minutes of his time. And we introduced ourselves and saying what our purpose for wanting to speak with him. And you could see his whole countenance changed and tears um, began to come. But he said, and he said his response was, it only could have been the Lord uh, send you all to me at this time to be at this spot to ask me this question. And we not only had the opportunity to um, share the gospel, but pray with him also. And so to me, that was, uh, that was the first time I had ever seen or experienced praying for a divine appointment. And we experienced that. And that has really stood out to me. Beautiful. Uh, for me, it was to be taught that after uh, presenting the gospel that I ought to say, is there anything keeping you from transferring your trust to Christ alone for salvation right now? In other words, to tell the way of salvation but not to forget to ask them, would you like to trust Jesus right now? Next question. Um, And again, this is a challenge to be succinct. Can you tell us of a recent time that you got to share the way of salvation? Here's an example. Recently, there was someone called my office and uh, were complaining about another staff member that I had on staff, and they didn't say their name, and this was a Friday afternoon. And uh, before I can completely grasp what the complaint was, there was a disconnection in the telephone. There were, I did not get the telephone number, um, nor that the receptionist was able to give me the number. And so the weekend passed. I, I stayed on, a, on the line hoping that the person would call back within a few minutes because I had another appointment within 10 minutes. I never got the return call, so I left it. On the following Monday morning, around 10.30, a lady walked in and introduced herself and said, I am the person who called on Friday past um, with a concern. Obviously, she said, when I complained about the staff, that was not true. Um, um, I'm frustrated. And I had the opportunity just to be succinct, you know, to share with her at that time. I'm still in process um, in terms of finding out um, how her response to the gospel. Praise the Lord. Uh, well, recently, uh, an opportunity that I had, um, re- uh, our men's ministry 
recently started taking on a ministry down at uh, Centerville Primary School where we spend maybe an hour, a month, or uh, some time at least with different uh, classes down there with the kids. It was an initiative that was started by the school uh, earlier this year. They, they approached our church as well as a few other churches in the area to um, you know, come in and spend some time with the kids because they, they, they only have women teachers, uh, female administrators, no male teachers at all, no, no male um, 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 role models at the school to, for the kids to look up to. So this is an issue they started. So we've been taking part in that now. Uh, quite a number of our men here at the church, about 10 of us, uh, go there regularly now to, to spend time with the kids. So during my last time um, I was there, which was about almost two weeks ago, um, I, I went there and I shared with um, a grade two. I spent time with um, I was assigned to a grade two, two class. So I spent my time with them. It was about an hour. And I was getting ready to leave, and and when I was getting ready to leave, the um, the guidance counselor at the school um, asked. Well, she came in and she spoke to the, the, the actual teacher uh, to ask me if I could come and pray for a student. Um, they had an issue with uh, one of the grade five. I think she was a grade six student actually. And when I uh, got to speak with the student, apparently she was um, um, doing playing around with this uh, Charlie Charlie thing that's been going on around the internet lately. And it really scared her, you know, and she felt that she'd given her soul over to the devil because of this, because, you know, it responded and she told me that, you know, when she tried to get away and she was in the bathroom and, and the wind picked up and she couldn't move and her friends had to pull her out. And she, I mean, I could see the, the terror in her eyes when she was telling me that she was so scared. And she came in with two of her other friends and they really wanted to pray. And I mean, and I sat them down in the, um, the office with the... Um, the, the guidance counselor and I shared the gospel with them and I tried to reassure them you know that you know they, they just let God into their heart not to let demons into their heart because it's a real thing and they took it and they were very receptive to it these three young ladies and um, you know I pray God I thank God that we were able to that I was able to do that for them at that particular time praise the Lord um, interestingly enough the latest opportunity I had was um, last Sunday and normally you would think that people that come to church, they are probably all saved. But this was a gentleman that came to Calvary Bible Church, and he was struggling, um, actually with a particular addiction. And he actually asked me for some money. And I was able to use that opportunity to let him know that he wasn't the only person that struggled with addictions. I was able to be quite honest and down to earth with him and let him know the things that I have struggled with and I continue to struggle with. And I was also able to use that opportunity to present the gospel as the only way to overcome these struggles in life. Now, I don't know where that's gone. I've seen him since and circumstances indicate to me that he has not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but at least that seed has been planted. Um, and I encourage him to see other people at um, Calvary, including going to the Christian Counseling Center, so he could actually have wise and godly counsel. But that was an opportunity that I didn't expect, and I didn't go looking for, but at least I was prepared for. Um, and God actually sent someone to Calvary Bible Church. And so when Pastor Elliot says, introduce yourself to someone that you don't know or you've never seen, take advantage of it. You never know where that'll go. 
where it will lead. Praise the Lord. It reminds me of Jesus with the rich young ruler that we looked at this morning. And he walked away from Christ, didn't accept the offer of new life and forgiveness. Um, so Jesus, yet Jesus, knowing that, looked upon him with love. And so just a recall, a refresher that we are to love the lost regardless of how they respond to the gospel. Now, I think, let's be um, transparent. I appreciate our transparency already. But let's be perhaps even more transparent. Um, Do you think that evangelizing is scary? Do you feel fearful about sharing your faith ever? Um, At times, yes. And I'll tell you my greatest challenge and fear. And it is fear of, I guess, the two R's, rejection and ridicule. Um, And it's the frustration for me, it's particularly, I guess it's more the frustration when I'm sharing the gospel with what would you call the um, the intelligentsia? Because it can be the most frustrating event in life. Because this is, these are people that, as far as they're concerned, they know everything, they have everything, and you're struggling as to how do I present this to someone, one I guess who's smarter than me, who will understand the reality and the urgency of this message. But I must say, what I've come to understand is it's in the Lord's hands. Just present the message, overcome that fear of rejection, born of frustration. Um, for me, because I love to succeed. I don't know if anyone else has that addiction. I love to succeed. And when you know you're going into something where the odds normally are stacked against you, you kind of say, well, it's, you know, maybe I need to prepare a bit more. Just do it. Thank you. Yes, Pastor Brian. Yeah. I could say that it's exciting and scary. Um, It's it's exciting because it's nothing like presenting the Word of God. It's scary because living in a society that we are in, you know, people have a way to to, um, throw certain things at you using some of our fellow church people. But I have learned to stick to the Word. Once you stick to the Word, you, you're on good track. Amen. Is it ever good to be scared in evangelism? Yes. Yes, I think it is uh, good to be scared. I think the, the risk of being, becoming arrogant is one of the things because you need to be totally dependent on, on God or the Holy Spirit to, to lead. So even though in uh, my response to the question would have been, um, yes, similar to Brother Brian's, yes and no, because of maybe some of what Brother Paul says, the, maybe more so for me, the, the um, rejection. What if they, because my intent is, by the time I'm true sharing, I'd like for that to be a, an affirmative response to the gospel. And to say no and walk away, uh, maybe I'll comment on that later on, but the, that would have been one of the concerns that I would have had. But I think... Yes, you need to totally rely on the Holy Spirit in the whole process. 
that there has not been a time that he has gone before people to preach that he has not been scared. And he sees that as a blessing because he's had to rely fully on God uh, before, during, and after preaching. What uh, is the most striking answer to prayer that you have had relative to your ministry of evangelizing? Uh, Pastor Arnett had a pretty uh, striking answer to prayer when he went to the hospital with salvation verses God had given, and the person he was to see who was saved, he could not see, but the person he was not expecting to see needed Christ and came to faith. What would be one of the striking examples of answers to prayer uh, for you in evangelism, any of you? I had an experience. Well, let me back up if I may. I don't like the idea of keeping scores of people I lead to the Lord. I don't like that. Matter of fact, at a point, the Billy Graham ministry had to insist that we keep records because I didn't like it. I didn't like what I was seeing, and I was afraid of pride. And one of the times was there was a young lady that came into our office at or at the Counseling Center for help. And we were able to help her, and we sent her off to his mansion to get some help. I led her to the Lord, and I was, my prayer was that I'll be able, after listening to what she went through in her family, my prayer was for an opportunity to witness to the family. It was not long after she went off that I was able to lead her mother to the Lord. Um, uh, about three years later, I led another one of her daughters to the Lord who had cancer. Uh, a couple months after that, I led uh, her, well, he wasn't her husband. They lived together as husband and wife, even carried his name, but they were never really married. I led him to the Lord. As a result of his uh, uh, funeral service right here, and I buried her, I buried her daughter, I buried this gentleman. As a result of that funeral service, the granddaughter, when after the service, stopped me outside and said, Pastor Arnold, I'd like to trust Jesus Christ as my personal savior. As a result of witnessing to her, I led her brother to the Lord. As a result of that, I led his wife to the Lord. And I said, wait a minute. Uh, It was practically the whole family. And I buried three three of the family so far. Um, That was an answer to prayer, but I, I, I most certainly wasn't expecting to impact family like that but I say to God be the glory but I don't keep scores I try not to even remember people who I would have led to the Lord people come to me over and over and say you led me to the Lord to God be the glory Amen. one more striking answer to prayer Yeah. Um, I remember for years praying for my mom and dad 
Uh, my father doesn't, well, prior to his death, um, he didn't say much. And so I always wondered where was he on his spiritual journey. And I had prayed for him for many years. And two months, two months before he died, I had the wonderful privilege of not only reading to him and praying with him, but praying for him to trust Christ for salvation. That was a fantastic answer to prayer. Amen. Uh, of course, the gospel, uh, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1-5, is that Christ died for sins and arose. That is non-negotiable. That is the gospel. Christ died for sins and arose. But sometimes uh, we have a favorite uh, method of sharing our faith to invite someone to trust Christ. Would any of you men have a favorite method that you trust to the Lord to bring people to Christ, but you typically use one method? I think for me, um, what I try to do, I mean, I just try to share my own, I guess we call it a God story that you, you talked about that time where we, we talk about how God has been active in our own lives and what we have seen for ourselves. And that's the kind of thing that I talk to people about as after I accepted Christ and how I've seen him work in my own life and in the lives of other believers and, and the difference that it has made and, 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 and the fact that, you know, I mean, he died for us and because of that, you know, we're on, going on to salvation and um, uh, eternal life. So that's, that's the method I usually talk. I think that's so good that we all have a God story if we're saved. We all have a story of how we came to faith in Christ for salvation. And we would do well to think that through or maybe write it through uh, so that we could give our God story in two minutes, 20 minutes, or an hour. <laughs> in other words, it's flexible. We, we tell our God story um, and are ready to do so because we've thought it through, prayed it through. Uh, people love stories. Uh, how many television programs in the Bahamas uh, are about stories? Because we all love stories. And no one can really argue with your God story. It's your story of what God has done in your life. That's a great way to share our faith, is to share our God story. Um, what, brothers, what motivates you uh, to share your faith, even if it's scary, even if you feel inadequate, even if you're busy, what motivates you to share your faith? Um, the thought that they may never have another opportunity. Um, and so, yes, sometimes, depending on who it is, it could be um, a little intimidating, but I realize that we are commanded, and uh, I, I also realize that, you know, if I don't, this may be the only opportunity they had to hear, and they may never have another one. Um, to, to me, that's one of the motivations, other high, than the Holy Spirit. It's a high motivation. It's also true. What motivates us to share our faith? Um, for me, it's, I didn't answer this, but it's very scary for me to share the gospel, always. And uh, I am, I'm a scary cat, cat on the whole, so that it, it doesn't change when it comes to that. Um, but Proverbs 11, uh, verse uh, thirty. 
B says he that winneth souls is wise. And I wanted to be wise in the eyes of God. And I realized that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Beautiful. That's my motivated Beautiful. Thank you. What, what else motivates us men to share our faith? For, for me, it is simply the love of, of Christ. Being the recipient of such an indescribable love and a gift. Uh, I, and simply he asked me basically to tell my experience with him. And so for me, that's, an, that's the easy part of it. So it's simply because of the love that I've received, I, I want to share that with everybody. And it's, I, I think uh, my brother Dian said as well, when I see people, I see them in two categories. Is this already a brother or sister? Or is this somebody who's headed towards a Christless eternity? And that is efficient for me to, I need to talk to you about something that is important. Amen. Simply, I want to be a good boy, good son, obedience. That, that's what motivates me. I want to be obedient. All right. Um, you know, it, it has to be the, 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 the love of God that's in us. And it's the love of God in me that motivates me to share God's word at all times. Now, as I said a while ago, it's not easy, but um, it's actually a, a challenge and an opportunity. And Pastor Rob brought a message the other day telling us that we need to let down our nets and God is going to fill it. And uh, so I thought of that, and uh, so many times I would just, because the love of God constrained me to do it, I let down the net. Amen. And Brother Rob, I got several nets down there, and I'm <laughs> hoping Praise that they'll come up someday. Praise the Lord. Full. Let down our nets, absolutely. Let's go on to another question. What would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in evangelizing? Biggest mistake is information overload uh, for me and pursuing with a vengeance, not letting them get off the hook, chasing them down the road, won't let them go until the answer is put in question. That was too much. Uh, yeah, I needed to back off. That's a big mistake. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm similar to Brother Wenley. Um, in a nutshell, not doing it, whatever the reason, that's my biggest mistake. Missed opportunity. Yeah. Well, I think um, I share um, Pastor Fowler's experience. You, you, you want to see them come to, to Christ. And a lot of times you hear people say, uh, man, you know, I, I go wait till, till I really serious. And you you desire to see them become a Christian to make that decision and so you want to you, it's almost like you want to force them just to pray not realizing that it's you know praying a prayer don't save you it's transferring trust you know it's that transfer of trust and um, so I, I think placing more emphasis on getting them to pray a prayer than to convince them that look 
you need to transfer trust from you to the Savior because you can't save yourself and what you do won't save you. It's only Christ. And so just uh, just wanting to see another person say they became a Christian. And I, I think, you know, once as you mature in the faith, uh, you know, you realize that uh, the Holy Spirit does the work and you could never be the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I first trusted the Lord as my personal savior, I wondered what in the world the Christian were doing all those years. I was supposed to change the Lord. I changed the world once I trusted the Lord. That's how I felt. I felt as if I can, I would just go there. And the Lord showed me very, very early, you can't do anything. You can't bring anyone to Christ unless the Spirit born them into the family of God. I had to learn that the hard way. That's why I stopped running them down and pray, pray that the Lord lead me to the individual. Uh, so um, I, I think that was my biggest mistake. When I first trusted the Lord, I felt like all those who were born again in the family of God before me weren't doing what they were supposed to have been doing. If not, we would have had a better world. Was I wrong? Thank you. What, uh, gentlemen, what uh, would you say to someone who might be here tonight who um, maybe has never shared their faith since they've been a Christian? or it's been an awfully long time since they have shared their faith. What would you say to a brother or sister in that situation tonight? You know, um, I'm thinking of a song someone wrote sometime, the lyrics. I'm not going to sing it, but the lyrics goes like this. It says, I'm thinking today of that beautiful land I should reach when the sun goeth down. When through wonderful grace by my Savior I stand. And here's a question. Will there be any star in my crown? And uh, that is the reason why I share God's word at all times. You know, and I think that most, the brightest star in anyone's crown is that person that you led to Christ as personal savior. Anyone else? What would you say to a precious brother or sister who has never shared their faith or has not done so for years? If you haven't shared your faith, if there's such a thing as a spiritual high and you want to experience it, share your faith. It really is a high. It, it really is. Just try it. And if you don't experience it, let's talk. I would say if you truly appreciate what Jesus did for you in rescuing you from the dominion of darkness and bringing you into the kingdom of his son, if you truly appreciate and are thankful for what he's done in your life, then you should seek to make every effort as the opportunity arises to share the gospel so that others too can experience what you have. What I would say is, I mean, let's just think about the consequences of what, would, what could happen. I mean, 
would you allow a family member of yours to walk blindfolded over the edge of a cliff without warning them or without letting them know that they're going somewhere that they shouldn't? I mean, and that's what's at stake here. I mean, if we're thinking about, you know, our loved ones especially, I mean, we we have to think of all lost people the same, but when you think about your loved ones who may not know Christ and those who we say we want to see, hopefully want to see in eternity as well, I mean, if we don't share our faith or they don't have the opportunity, don't ever hear it, you know, the chances are that we're just escorting them over the cliff uh, without getting, uh, giving them a hand or giving them some direction. The enemy of our soul would like us to believe the lie that it's too late to share our faith. If you have soundness of mind and breath that you're alive, it's not too late to start sharing your faith. So don't buy the lie that it can possibly be too late to do it. I think going back to the question about biggest mistakes in evangelizing, for me as a young pastor, my biggest mistake was only evangelizing from a pulpit preaching and not sharing my faith Monday to Saturday outside the pulpit. The Lord means for me to share my faith outside the pulpit, and he means for all of us to share our faith in the highways and the byways of our lives. Um, What's exciting to me, one of the things that's exciting to me is that all of you will meet people that I will never meet. You have relationships with people that I will never, ever have relationships with. You have opportunities to share the gospel that I will never have. And so my role is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, which includes evangelism. And woe is me if I don't model that for you in my own life outside of the pulpit. I've enjoyed this. I hope that you have enjoyed this and that it's been useful and helpful. We're just going to close in the last uh, two minutes by throwing it open to the panel. Is there anything else you would like to say about evangelism that has not been said? As God's people, we are called to love and to obedience. And if you want to express love, share the gospel. If you want to be obedient, share the gospel. Yes. That's, that's so nice. And you know, I always say that let us live like stepping stones and not stumbling blocks. You know, and um, the, the, the Satan is out there and he can use anything he's busy. So let us say, get thee behind me, Satan. If you have any problem with anybody, settle it with Jesus Christ. Thank you. Amen. Any last words before we stand to pray? Uh, there is a myth among a number of churches in the Bahamas. There is the idea that there is a special day set aside when you have an evangelistic meeting and you invite 
the save the unsaved or those who don't know the Lord as their personal savior to that meeting in order to be saved. Someone said that the shepherd doesn't give birth to lambs. Sheep do. And we are the sheep. So let us make sure that we give birth. And as Pastor Elliot said, his duty is to prepare us. But we need to be able to give birth to the lamb. And don't forget them when you give birth. You take care of them until they can take care of themselves. Just before his ascension, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. That was some of his last words to us. We need to take it to heart by obeying. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we are ambassadors in a foreign land with this intent purposes to bring people into the kingdom. And so there is no excuse. You have been specifically designed, gifted, and placed wherever you are placed, wherever you and whenever you meet, meet those contacts so that you might reflect the message of the kingdom. And don't be discouraged when those that you share your faith with seem not to be concerned. Your job, my job, is to share our faith and pray for those individuals. Yes. I think as believers today, it's incumbent upon each of us, <clears throat> whether we are seeking to share our faith with someone or we've always already shared our faith with someone, but they have not come to that point and time where they've placed faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but we, that we remember them in prayer, that the Holy Spirit would continue to work in their heart and life, but that our walk would match our talk. And I go back to that verse that I quote very often in this church and elsewhere, and I think if memory serves me right, many years ago I got it from Sister Helen Arnett. I'd rather see a Christian than hear one any day. I'd rather one would walk with me than merely tell the way. And in witnessing, we're telling the way, the good news of salvation. And if that person comes to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, we need to be there to encourage, to walk with them. But if they still don't, we still have to they still need to see the evidence that we have a changed life, that Jesus Christ is working in our hearts and life on a daily basis. Amen. I thank you so much, brothers, for being a part of this panel this evening to God's glory. And I invite us to stand all together for closing prayer. Oh God, we thank you for the remarkable truth that you have purposed and planned for the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church, to share our faith and to live our faith before lost people. Lord, we know that the angels longingly look into salvation and cannot be a part of it. And we thank you, Lord, that in giving us this privilege of sharing our faith and inviting people to trust Christ alone, 
that we have not been left to our own devices, our own smarts, our own strength, our ideas. We've been given a clear definition of the gospel, and we've been given the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit, the very uh, God himself who lives within us as your blood-bought children. We desire, Lord, that we would be found faithful, prayerful, and bold, but always with love to share the truth. And Lord, would you please grow Calvary Bible Church by conversion growth as we in obedience share our faith and commit our ways to you in prayer. Thank you for bringing us together this evening. Thank you for what we believe you've done in our lives, whether on the platform or in the pew, to stir us to to love and good deeds. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming tonight. I have a prayer request. The last message in our series on evangelism will be next Sunday morning, God willing. And the message will be evangelism, do it urgently. And it will be a sermon on hell. How many of you have ever heard a sermon on hell? Uh, Some, but I wouldn't say the majority. Uh, I've been led to preach on hell next Sunday morning, so uh, please pray. Uh, The devil doesn't like this. He doesn't like his cover blown. And so will you pray for me as your pastor, and would you pray for your hearts to be receptive to what the Bible teaches about hell, that we would be urgent about sharing our faith, and that the Lord may lead people here next Sunday morning who God means to spare from hell because they don't yet have Jesus.